Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. In this episode of the Kettlecast, I'll be talking about the Hawks' last two games, their losses to the Philadelphia 76ers, and also their loss to the Miami Heat. Also briefly touch on Trey Young's injury and what to look forward to in the Hawks' rematch with the Heat on Halloween. Without further ado, let's get into it. The Atlanta Hawks had back-to-back games where they ended up losing both games. The Hawks fell to the 76ers 103-105 at home, and then they turned around and they lost to the Miami Heat 97-112. Both games were disappointing in different ways. The 76ers game in particular was disappointing not because of the result. Honestly, to play the 76ers, a team that could end up representing the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals this year, isn't a bad result at all but it was a very winnable game it was a great crowd at State Farm Arena and the Hawks really controlled the game from the opening tip it felt like the 76ers certainly played the part of a seasoned veteran and sort of hung around hung around hung around and then in the fourth quarter with four minutes to go the game really changed DeAndre Hunter hit a three-pointer to put the Hawks up by eight with about 438 to go in the game And from that time on, the 76ers were able to lock down the Hawks on the defensive side of the ball and allow only one field goal, which was John Collins tipping in a missed free throw by Trey Young and a couple free throws. And that was all the Hawks could score from that point. Trey Young ended the game with 25 points, nine assists, and seven turnovers. And John Collins ended the game with 16 points eight rebounds he ended up fouling out of the game the Hawks again played well enough to win this game it really felt like they had the lead going through but Joel Embiid was really able to put his mark on this game at the end where he got to the basket at will and then also he sealed the game at the end by knocking down two free throws one real big part of the game that Embiid had his biggest effect on was just the amount of fouls the Hawks racked up the front court for the Hawks Fernando, Alex Lynn, and Damian Jones combined for four, two, and three fouls. And as I said, John Collins fouled out as well. So there was just not a lot the Hawks could do with Joel Embiid. He's a MVP candidate for a reason, and it really showed. The other 76er that really stood out to me was their rookie, Matisse Thibel. He was the only reserve off the bench to play more than 13 minutes for the 76ers. And for a rookie to be the most played member off the bench for a team that has title aspirations is pretty amazing. And the kid was really wonderful on the defensive side of the ball. The Hawks were very content to let him shoot threes, and he knocked down two of seven shots. But he was getting his hands on everything that was going towards Trey Young or whoever he happened to be guarding. He ended the game with four steals. There was a lot of loose balls in this game, but Matisse Seibel is someone to watch going forward. Just to see a rookie have that sort of impact is pretty incredible. But getting back to the Hawks' side of the ball, it was frustrating that the Hawks lost this game because, again, they just seemed to have the lead the entire game. They had the biggest lead in the game. I don't think the 76ers ever led by more than four points. And especially with the crowd that was at State Farm Arena, it would have been nice to get that victory. 
the game against the Heat was a little different in that the first quarter was very back and forth. John Collins made four three-pointers in the first quarter and ended up playing the entire quarter, and it looked like it was going to be a back-and-forth game. And then kind of to start the second quarter, Trey Young went down with a sprained ankle, and the Hawks had to figure their way through the rest of the game without Trey Young and Evan Turner didn't play in this game because of a Achilles injury. So without their two primary ball handlers, the Hawks had to find a way to compete in the rest of the game. And the Hawks were kept at bay pretty much the entire game. They were down by 13 to 20 points, it seemed like, the entire rest of the way until the fourth quarter when the Hawks were able to get the score to be back within 10 points and actually had a couple opportunities to get it down to single digits. But they never really threatened the Heat at all. The Heat had a couple of monster performances from guys off the bench. Goran Dragic and Tyler Hero in particular had monster games. Tyler Hero is a rookie who had a great game against the Hawks in the preseason, and I'm pretty sure he's looking to have another great game on Halloween against the Hawks. But he came off, he hit three of four three-pointers. He hit 12 of 16 free throws. The Hawks fouled a ton in this game and sent the heat to the line 45 times, which frankly is just inexcusable. I think all of the rookies, Hunter, Reddish, and Fernando, all fouled three-point shooters. It's hard to win any sort of game when you're sending other teams to the line as much as the Hawks did in the last two games. To go back to the 76ers game, the Hawks played pretty good defense against them. 76ers were held to 42% shooting from the field and 26% shooting from three-point land. But it was the free throws again that kept the 76ers in it. They made 20 of 25 free throws. And again, the Heat made 33 of 45 free throws. So this game could have been way worse. Um, the Heat were not making their free throws. So those two guys coming off the bench. And then Bam on Adebayo had a great game for the Heat, kind of quietly. I didn't really even notice him during the game. He's a smaller center, just smaller height-wise. He's built like a freaking tank. He had 17 points. He was positive 27 in the game but he had 17 points on four of seven shooting he had nine of 10 free throws that he made and then jimmy butler in his first game of the season back from paternity to leave made 10 of 15 free throws had three steals two assists just a monster game from jimmy butler and he really welcomed deandre hunter to the league deandre hunter was pretty much frustrated the whole game by the amount of fouling that he did I'll use that as a way to transition to the fledgling focus and kind of look at how all three of the rookies did in these two games. They all looked pretty good. Hunter had to guard Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler in back-to-back games. His strength really showed out in both games, I think especially against the 76ers, who are a team that roll out a starting lineup that is 6'5 and bigger. He could switch to everybody. He played 30 minutes, scored 14 points, 9 rebounds, 1 assist, only had 1 foul, and he had the highest plus-minus on on the Hawks in that game against the 76ers. Again, I think that the roster that the 76ers have really lends itself to Hunter switching to all those positions. Again, in this game, I was reminded about how so far in these first four games, there's been about one play a game where I would like Hunter to just like dunk a ball or be more aggressive instead of getting caught in the air and trying to look for a teammate. But overall, he's done really well. Against Miami, again, he really struggled. He had four points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals, five fouls. As a player who, even as a rookie, 
prides himself on his defense, you could tell that each foul call really bothered DeAndre. Uh, he's a player that most players in the NBA, when they foul, will look up to the scoreboard to see the foul, but he does it every time, and he was frustrated. I know one Jimmy Butler three-point attempt in the corner. Hunter was called for a foul, and he really did not care for that call. It's a tough matchup. That's another matchup that will be very interesting to watch on Halloween to see how Hunter learns just from one game what sort of tricks that Jimmy Butler has. But overall, I thought going from Ben Simmons to Jimmy Butler was a really tough combination for a rookie, and DeAndre Hunter handled himself pretty well. Cam Reddish, uh, his shooting touch still eludes him. I will say he had a massive just cam jam on Tyler Hero that the announcer correctly said probably let Cam release some of his frustrations of the game. Cam's still shooting the ball confidently. He will get it and take the shot, but with the three-point shot not going in, you can just see with each attempt he kind of sags his shoulders a little bit and, and gets down. I've been encouraged by his driving. We'll see how much the ball handling responsibilities fall on him now that Trey is not going to play tomorrow. Trey, to get on to Trey's injury, there was some fear that he'd have to have an MRI today, the extent of the damage to his ankle, and they did not end up needing to have an MRI, and he's listed as day-to-day, but with the Hawks not playing again till next Tuesday, they're going to be extra cautious and just allow him to have the night off tomorrow against the Heat. So a lot of that playmaking responsibility will fall on to Cam Reddish and Kevin Herter. And so to see what Cam can do with the ball in his hands will be very interesting. Cam is the youngest player on the Hawks by over a year. And so I think some of the worries about his inconsistency or his shooting in general, it's it's only been four games. And his defense on the other end has been good enough where if, it, if offense was his only quality and he was missing these shots, that'd be one thing. But he's really doing a lot on the defensive side of the ball, whether it's getting his hands on balls, altering shots with his wingspan, that I'm not worried about him yet. As long as he keeps taking shots with confidence, I'll be happy. One little anecdote, he had the ball at the end of the third quarter, I want to say, and the Hawks were going to get the last shot of the, the quarter, and he sort of uh, lost lost his handle and didn't end up getting a shot off. And you could just see how frustrated he was as he was walking back to the Hawks bench. And uh, both Vince Carter and Jabari Parker walked over to Cam and put their arms around him and just sort of told him, I don't know what they told him, but it looked like something to the effect of, hey, just keep your head up, man. You're doing the right thing. We're not worried about it. And then finally, to get to Bruno Fernando, I mean, how about a welcome to the NBA? Go out and, you know, guard Andre Drummond and now guard Joel Embiid. Fernando had a very nice game against the 76ers. He played 15 minutes, had 11 points, four rebounds, and two blocks. He made another three-pointer, and he provides that just solid energy off the bench. He goes after all the rebounds. He's willing to put his body out there on defense, and he he goes after every block. I was really impressed with his effort in the Philly game, and that's what made the Heat game a little disappointing to me was just it did, didn't have that same Fernando energy that I was used to. That game, again, was really weird with Trey not being in it. It wasn't particularly play, played well on either side. There were a lot of flabby possessions, a lot of loose balls, but I did not see the same Fernando in Miami as I did in Atlanta. He played 11 minutes. He only had three points, two rebounds, 
And again, just wasn't the type of performance I'd gotten used to seeing Fernando play. After those first two wins and such a wonderful start to the season, I wanted to look at what were possibly any differences in those first two games and the second two. And to be honest, that third game against the 76ers, there wasn't a lot different. They lost by two points to a really good team. And the one stat that stuck out that is my come on, man, stat of this podcast is freaking the free throw shooting of the Hawks. The Hawks have been awful shooting free throws. Awful. Through four games, they're shooting 65%, 64.5% on their free throws, and everybody's missing them. John's missed three in a game. Trey's missed a couple in a game. Fernando's missed a couple. Hunter's missed three in a game. That's just free points that you leave up there. If they had made all their free throws against the 76ers, it wouldn't have even been close. They would have won that game going away. And to shoot 64% on shots that are unguarded, to me, is just super frustrating. That percentage of 64.5 would have been the lowest free throw percentage in the league last year. And it's not, it wouldn't even been close. It would be the last by 5%. And it's just a really frustrating stat that when these guys do get fouled and are doing the right things by being aggressive and going to the basket, they're not cashing in and making other teams pay. So they did make 18 of 21 free throws in the first game against the Pistons. But since then, the free throw shooting has just been awful. 46 of 71, which is just unacceptable. It'll be another thing that I'll be watching. Some of the Hawks have never been great free throw shooters, but the the team in general should be shooting over 70%. Getting back to just what some differences are in the wins versus the losses, I think one thing is just the amount of fouling that the Hawks have done. Uh, They did foul Orlando 26 times, but fouling the Heat 29 times and sending them to the free throw line 45 times is just not a recipe for success. And going forward, especially in this upcoming game tomorrow on Halloween against the Heat, They cannot afford to send those shooters to the line as much as they did. Some of the matchups I'm looking for specifically is how the lead guards of the Hawks are going to play with Trey Young 100% out. It's going to be interesting to see who gets not only who gets his starting space, but also what players take up that playmaking responsibility. And the Hawks have some capable ball handlers. I'll be I'll be excited to see Cam Reddish with the ball in his hands and also see Kevin Herter and DeAndre Bembry get some more chances as being lead ball handlers. We'll also get to see newest Hawk, Ty Wallace, get some time at the point guard. He showed a little bit at the end of the Heat game. It'll be good to see some more footage with him. Finally, the Hawks have to play defense without fouling. Sending the Heat to the line 45 times is impossible to win a game like that, and if the Hawks are hoping that they're just going to not foul. They got to really defend without fouling. And that focus also has to be on both Tyler Hero and Goran Dragic. Those two came off the bench and absolutely destroyed the Hawks. And if the Hawks have any hope of winning on Halloween, they're going to need to do better defense on those guys. If the Hawks are able to do all those things, I think they can come out with a victory, uh, which would be great going into a little bit of a break they have. No games until next Tuesday, so it'd be nice to go into that time three and two rather than two and three. I want to thank you for catching the Kettlecast. If you have any questions about the Hawks or the Kettlecast, you can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. That's K-E-T-T-L-E-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. 
please let your Hawks friends know about this podcast and leave a rating or a review. Otherwise, go Hawks!